Behind the Shades. And one thing I want to ask you is if I was going through a divorce and I have people chirping in the background, right? Saying that men get the raw end of the stick. Men get the short end of the stick. Men get um, bullied in courts. No one's listening to us in the court. What are some of the ways that I can still prepare myself to one, not fall into the trap of believing everything that people are telling me because their experience may not be mine. And two, to make sure that I get the outcome that I'm looking for. One thing that I often mention, mention to, I, I don't work, I don't prefer men over women. I work with uh, both equally. But one thing I do realize is that my approach to working with men is very different than my approach to when I'm working with women. Men always want to start from the top down. They, 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 they want to start with the, the, the judge's supervisor and the, or the, the, the legislature or the, you know, that's what they want to do, right? If something doesn't work out, they want to go right to the top. And, and I'm always trying to talk them down. You know, don't, that's not where you start. Don't automatically assume that the judge is not going to be on your side or it's going to be biased. Don't, please don't assume that, number one. Number two, it, it is so, so incredibly invaluable to research your judge. Get to know who your judge is. Get to know who the, the players are in your courtroom. Get to know who they are. The best way to influence someone or to persuade someone with your story or your argument is to know what appeals to them, right? You're not going to make the same argument to everybody because everybody doesn't care. That we interpret uh, uh, information differently. We learn differently. So you want to, you same thing in the courtroom. You want to know the judge. If you're going before the judge, know who your judge is. Know what matters to your judge. Know what preferences your judge has. That helps incredibly. It helps to know those things. And then the third thing is, uh, and you'd be amazed by how many people have no clue what the difference is between uh, shared custody and 50-50 custody, so they're, or sole custody and joint custody. So they go into court expecting you know, sole custody in a state that doesn't even award sole custody. And so when they don't get it, they think it's the judge's fault. No, well, had you done your research, you would know that in your specific state, joint custody is the presuming starting point. It's not because it's you and your dad and you're asking for sole, it's because that's not normally given in your state. So, and you'd be surprised how many people don't even do that. They don't even, you know, man and woman, dad and mom, they don't even do that. So I think those three things are incredibly important. Don't start at the top. Don't be ready to go and seek out the judge's supervisor or the politicians or the legislatures in your jurisdiction because you're assuming that this judge is going to be biased. Please don't do that. Number two, like I said, research the judge. Judges are, their information is out there. Their prior decisions and rulings on cases like yours is out there. Um, it's, sometimes it's not free and accessible, but you can pay a fee and get that information from your for, about your judge. And number three, do your research. Find out exactly what's in your favor before you walk in there requesting the sun, the moon, and the, st and the stars. <laughs> you know, you in your statement, and you may not be able to get the sun. You may be able to get the moon and the stars, so know that. So yeah, those three things are incredibly important. And dads, I think I do think dads get a uh, you know an unfair shake. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie to you about that. There's some places where some dads I have clients now 
who were fighting to an excellent dads, very hands-on from day one, from the time the baby was brought home. But because they weren't married, in some states they're presumed to be, um, they're not considered primary, what's called a primary caregiver because they were not in the home. And it's unfair because I, I have a client right now who literally went to the hospital, brought the girl home with the baby and has been at the house every single day. They didn't live together, but he was there every single day. And he's still fighting a two-year battle for 50-50 for in New York. And it's unfair. It's really unfair. But that's exactly the law that uh, Florida just enacted. They stopped that from, from, from that being the case in Florida. So hopefully there'll be some other states that'll follow suit. But for right now, yeah, I do think there are dads who get an unfair shake. I want to say a little bit of a shout out to DeSantis there for um, <laughs> making those laws in, in Florida. I know there's a lot of people that um, are on both sides when it comes to him, but it seems like he is trying to do his best into what the people want. And when you're describing that scenario, there's one person in particular, and he's a celebrity, and he was going through a horrific battle, it seemed, at least from his end, and it was Tyrese. And Tyrese was complaining about some of the things that you're mentioning. He was going in there and saying that everyone's against me and I don't know what's going on. I have to pay this child support. And he went on. He went there assuming a lot of things. And to your point, it was like, well, those things you don't get in the state that you live in. And New York seems to be quite a bit different when it comes to Florida in regards to how they proceed with the family courts. And I know sometimes children are involved in this when there's a divorce. So take us through the steps of how um, that part of the family court works when there's children involved and they're trying to differentiate between who's going to get shared custody, sole custody, and joint custody. Okay, sure. So there are some states that have what's called a presumption that joint custody is best for the child. That means that that's the starting point that the, uh, the parent who's opposing joint custody has the burden of proving to the court why joint custody should not be the case, as opposed to the other party uh, proving to the court why joint custody should be the case. And then there are some states where joint custody is, is basically it. That is the law. And then there's some states that don't have a presumption and don't have a law. It's, it's just up in the air. And so New York is one of those states. New York is a state that they say that they presume is joint custody, but it's not. New York is a it, it, they will give sole custody in a heartbeat. And the, how they do that, they use every state and in DC uses what's called the best interest of the child factors. So every state has a set of guidelines or a set of factors, whether it's by statute or common law, where they use um, anywhere between nine and 21 specific issues that they apply to every single custody case to decide, to determine which parent should get sole custody or if they should get joint custody. I will tell you this, any parenting arrangement where the parents do not communicate or they're unable to get along or this history of domestic violence, joint custody is not gonna happen because to have joint custody, they have to be civil to each other. So in any state that is, there's a presumption or a, it's, it's automatic, joint custody is not gonna happen because of those things. And some states vary on, on other uh, additional factors they will consider, but for the most part, that rules joint custody out. And what happens in those instances is one parent will get full custody, 
sole custody or what's called primary residential. Depending on where you are, the terminology changes. Those best interests of the child factors usually focus on the well-being of the child, emotionally, physically, intellectually, developmentally, spiritually. Those things are what the factors are based on. So what does that mean? The judge is going to look, if you're in Pennsylvania, for instance, which has, I think, 19 or 21 factors, the judge is going to go through all 21 factors to determine which parent or if both will, is going to best serve the child's emotional needs, physical needs, intellectual needs, everything, in it, those things of that nature. Um, there's some, case, some states that think that primary, the person or the parent that was the primary caretaker is number one on the list. But for the most part, most judges look at the who's gonna um, make sure the kid's academic and developmental and um, physical well-being is going, they're gonna uh, focus their attention on those three top, those top three things. Everything else is, eh, they're gonna be secondary, third, you know, they're gonna go behind those three, uh, those top three factors they're gonna consider. But yeah, that's that's what they do. Some states will require the parents to go through mediation before the judge actually gets the case. Um, some states will make the parents go through parenting courses before they actually get to decide who's going to get custody. Some states are way more intricate in how the parents build up to who's going to the judge deciding who gets custody. But for the most part, no matter where you are. Every single state in DC has a set of factors that they're going to look at to determine who's going to get custody. What that process entails varies from state to state. How long it takes varies from state to state because when there's some uh, issues like a history of domestic violence or abuse or substance abuse or um, things of that nature, there's going to be other players who come in and they're going to be assigned like a, a lawyer for the child, custody evaluators, parents coordinators, things of that nature. But all of those players determine how long the case is going to proceed and what's going to happen overall in the end to get to the point where the judge makes a decision.